former Matildas defender, Alicia Canavas. Welcome in. Thanks for joining us and talking to us in New Zealand. Thanks for having me on, Stuffy. Nice time of the day over here. So great to have a chat of all the uh, viewers and listeners in, in NZ. Yes, it is indeed. Before I talk about football, have you still got your Pilates studio? Look, sold it. I'm out of the Pilates world because the football world's taking over. There it it's is. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gone a bit wild in the last 12 months, and it's, it's been all things football. So I commentated the A-League um, through pretty much from August last year all the way through to finals, and then after that, got a knock on the, the door about the FIFA Women's World Cup. So here we are. We are. Tell me about the last 12 months then, um, since it's been named that we're co-hosting with Australia and New Zealand. What's the appetite, what's the consumption of women's football been like over in Australia? Look, it's been an interesting time. Of course, the game's gone from strength to strength in recent years, and it's been fantastic to see. And I say this openly, not just for women's football, but for women's sport. I think it's a really, really important thing, the FIFA Women's World Cup, because it is the biggest women's sporting event on the planet. So really, really quite interesting how it's trying to change the trajectory in our country, but also in New Zealand. Um, I guess the biggest factor in Australia and New Zealand is that we're blessed with with wonderful sports, many of them. Um, And in ways, sometimes they can be competing codes. And so the battle that we we've had over the years here in Australia is is the code sort of influencing or or being able to attract our players as well. So quite similar to New Zealand. I think the, the big thing about this tournament is that um, the reach is massive. And I think a lot of us down under don't quite realise the impact it's going to have just yet. Um, and I think we'll start to see that and feel it over the next few weeks. It's been um, ticket sales in New Zealand um, are behind where they are at Australia. New Zealand's very much, oh, it's a nice day, I might go to the football. Um, but the pre- pre-sales in Australia have been really encouraging. Yeah, they definitely have been. And I think maybe that also lends itself to our exposure with football here in Australia. I mean, if we just compare the number of A-League teams as well compared to New Zealand, right? Mm. New Zealand has one, one A-League team. Um, we have a number of A-League teams. So I feel like our exposure and our leverage off of that is a little bit different. Um, and then maybe it is just that the the attitude of the public. Um, Aussies like to not miss out. We get a bit of FOMO over here. Whereas I feel like when I've had time in New Zealand, I really like the attitude of, of the public and that regardless of whether you're in that stadium or not, as much as we'd like to see as many uh, Kiwis in the stadium and filling stadiums, you guys have great communities in and around pubs and, and suburbs and, and things probably that we lack a little bit here as well. So I think you'll find it'll come alive a little bit more once the tournament kicks off. And I hope those football fans give you a, a great result at Eden Park. Yeah, very much so. We're very much, um, we're laid back in nature and, and they're, they're banging into us, get your tickets, get your tickets. But they've been doing that over here in New Zealand for all sports for years, but we're a walk-up nation and I just don't think you could change that. And there will be party zones, there will be viewing parties, and we will get right behind it. I mean, you couldn't get a ticket to the World Cup rugby final last year, 50,000-seater stadium. No one could believe that a women's rugby game could sell out stadiums. I think it's really going to take momentum. But for New Zealanders, and I don't know if it's the same for Australians, probably not as much, I feel like the tournament needs to start and then we'll be into it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And look, I'm in Sydney at the moment. I'm a Brisbane girl, but 
one of the comments I've made um, over the last few days with colleagues is that even though it's here, like we've got this opening match like you guys in Auckland, down in Sydney, sold out, 80,000 people, I still feel like it's quite subdued. Like the the vibe around the city is, is pretty chilled. But I think as soon as it kicks off, like you said, we're going to see it people get on board and, and get amongst it, which will be exciting. Um, your opening game or the Matildas opening game is against the Republic of Ireland. You're very, very warm, warm favourites. Um, but this, while playing at home is an advantage, the, it's extra pressure as well to perform. They would never have played in front of a crowd like this. No, definitely not. And look, there might be a handful of players like Sam Kerr and Ellie Carpenter that have played in massive matches in Europe, club matches. But we've never seen this for women's soccer or football in Australia ever. So our girls, like you said, I do believe that the pressure is, is always a factor. I mean, you feel it in any case in the full stadium, that anticipation, but also that pressure to perform. Um, simple things like making sure your first touch is right, making sure your positioning is right on the ball as well. Um, but you start to think about those things from time to time to make sure it's, it's near perfect because of the crowd and of the atmosphere and the expectation. Um, Sam Kerr speaks of the privilege of having pressure, and I think that's a really unique way to look at it. But ultimately, it comes down to the mentality and, and how they come out. Um, and if there is a bit of adversity in the match, how they respond, because that pressure can turn quite quickly. Who's some of the players that, that are going to take the Matildas a long way to, you know, to be a meaningful um, playoff hope, a semi-finalist and heaven forbid a finalist? Who, who are you looking at? Give us two or three names that we should watch. Look, I've been saying it for a long time. Uh, Caitlin Ford, for me, is our linchpin in the attack. We speak so much about Sam and, and what she's done for the game and also her presence in world football now. But Caitlin Ford has had an amazing season for Arsenal over in the UK. But if you watch her and her movement off the ball and, and what she creates between midfield and attack for us, um, you can take Sam out of the match, but Caitlin's just as much a threat to me. So she's one to watch. Um, of course, young Mary Fowler. Uh, she, in my opinion, will be a future Matilda's captain. Um, she didn't play a minute at the last World Cup, but... She's still the youngest player in our team going into this World Cup and she's just grown immensely in the last few years. So she scored on Friday night against France and I'm sure she'll be carrying that momentum through the tournament as well. And um, my last pick is the veteran, Claire Polkinghorne. For me, she's, um, I played with Claire when she was a young 15-year-old kid and watched her come through the ranks with us. Um, where she's gone, if you'd asked me that, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have guessed it. It was it's hmm. impossible to pick these things. But she is that cool head and that strong head in our defence. And um, she brings a wealth of experience. And I think as the tournament goes on, if they keep progressing, you need those cool, calm heads to, to steady the ship. I was going to, you brought up Mary Fiel. I was going to ask you about her. She was 16 when the last World Cup was on, which is just incredible. So my math says she's now 20. Tell me about the opportunities for a 20-year-old uh, women's football player um, as opposed to when maybe you were 20. Oh, my gosh. We're in two different worlds, right, Stuffy? This yeah. is a, <laughs> the world I'm watching from the outside in is completely different. Um, when I was 20, um, 
you're still deemed young, right? Like there were players ahead of you and, and, and quality players, the likes of Diane Alagic, um, Cheryl Salisbury, Joey Peters, Bryony Deuce, massive, massive players for the Matildas. Um, and they were well and truly 26, 27, 28, if not a little bit older. So 20 was still really young. And the attitude back then was, you'll have your time, right? And of course, being young, you wanted your time now. Like uh, you, you were eager. But it was that patience and that willingness to wait for the exposure. I think it shifted a little bit where coaches are starting to look at youngsters and go, well, if you've got what it takes, why not? They're willing to take that gamble on the younger players. And what I think it's done really well, and we've watched it with this Matilda's team, um, Tom Samani was intelligent enough to, to start to breed that into our national team system and Alan Stadgett followed. Uh, get them young, build their confidence young, and look what you start to end up with. It's a, it's a team of, you know, 80-plus caps over with 15 players, essentially, that have got huge amount of caps for the country. So the confidence is just brimming. Um, and we're talking between the ages of 28 to, to 32. You've got this team that's heavily experienced, hugely confident and extremely talented. So um, Mary Fowler's got a huge career ahead of her. And I think um, her exposure, already two World Cups by the age of 20, sky's the limit, right? Absolutely it is. Um, looking at the overall tournament, um, in recent years, USA national women's team's been nigh on untouchable, but the pack is closing in with the likes of England, Germany, Spain, uh, the Matildas as well, France. There's threats coming at the US, aren't there? Yeah, in a big way. And I think um, for many years, uh, we looked at the US as the beacon. Uh, I gosh, thinking of Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain and the goals they used to score in the late 90s. Um, the US, it's definitely the gap is closing, but part of that comes with the investment into the sport um, in other leagues around the world. We've seen it in Spain, we've seen it in the US, we've seen it in Sweden and Denmark as well. And so what it allows is um, strong domestic competition, which then breeds better players, uh, quality players, they're exposed to a lot more a lot earlier. I mean, the US were doing this 20, 30 years ago, right, the investment. And so they've really led the way, and I think world football well, women's football has a lot to be grateful for in that space to the US. But in terms of teams, I think everyone will be happy with that competition and knowing that the likes of Germany, England, as you mentioned, Sweden, they're all top four favourites with the US. And I think um, it'll be great matchups should should we see those teams challenge the likes of um, Rapino and Alex Morgan. And I think the fans of the US women's team um, are going to maybe teach... Uh, New Zealand fans, how how to get behind this woman's team. Allegedly, up to 20,000 Americans are coming to New Zealand. Incredible. Well, well, look, I'm not surprised. I'm staying in a hotel in Sydney, and it's full of Americans, even here. Uh, the Fox Sports US set up on the harbour is bigger than some of the hotels in and around it. It is <laughs> enormous. And I think, and I've said this, I said these guys are pitched front and centre because they have belief that they will be um, in the final here in Sydney. They have full belief. Oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, hey, <laughs> thanks heaps for joining us today. I'd love to catch up with you during the tournament as well and we'll we'll take a pulse check on where, where we're going, how, how we're travelling and um, I really wish you uh, a tremendous tournament. It's going to be fun. 
it's going to be awesome. Thanks for having me, guys, and good luck to the New Zealand girls on Thursday. I'll be watching. Thanks so much. There she is, Alicia Canavis, the former Matildas defender. And they're, they're a red-hot go, the Australians. Um, I'm just one, two, three, four, fifth favourite. Fifth favourite. Uh, behind USA favourites, England just behind them, and then Spain, Germany, Australia. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun times. And their opening game is Eden Park on Thursday, I think I looked at that. Oh, sorry, on Saturday against Vietnam at 1 o'clock. And then they go to Wellington, play the Netherlands on Thursday at 1 o'clock. And then back to Auckland the following Tuesday to take on Portugal at 1 o'clock. Um, but do get in and support. Like even if you if you, if you're in a town that's hosting a team like Sweet is it Sweden or Switzerland uh, in Upper Hutt um, out at NZCOS get get along and get around them like like we did when the Rugby World Cup was on here in 2011 and people adopted those teams um, it's going to be fantastic absolutely fantastic and a big thank you to Alicia for joining us on the show we will take a break we'll come back after that.